life's been mental and uh, there's been some big things going on in the Andrew household those of you that have been following me on Instagram probably know what I'm talking about Um, but I'm going to save that for another time because this week I am bringing our listeners back onto the mic and I have got the incredible Laura Shah Laura is a beat ambassador and she shares with me her experiences. So we're going to talk about her experience with anorexia uh, that she was diagnosed with at a quite a young age. We're also going to be talking about her experiences of suicide. So that comes in the form of a suicide attempt, but also uh, experience of somebody in her life committing suicide. So we get in there, we get deep, but you will listen to this podcast and hear what Laura's been through and you can't help but feel just as if there is hope, there is positivity. You know, Laura's been through so much, but she is so honest and real and she's got such a great outlook on life it's infectious so I really want to say thank you to Laura for taking the time being with me on the podcast and sharing her story I think that you guys are really really going to love it and connect with it and if anybody wants to you know step out like Laura has and share their story I am more than excited to share it I hope you guys are all doing well. It's been a bit of a crazy time, but stories like this connect us together. So thank you again, Laura, and let's just dive into it. And welcome to Tribe Talk. Hello. Hello, hello. I'm very excited. Um, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm really excited to be here and talk about something it's my first podcast so oh we're taking the podcast virginity yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh no you'll be fine I'm I've been told I'm very gentle so you don't have to worry that's a really (laughs) awful thing to say isn't it oh my god wow Uh, oh I love an innuendo (laughs) I know panda tribe talk has been cancelled for the foreseeable future (laughs) (laughs) so I guess um the best thing to be to kind of say about this segment is, um, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, this season we are opening it up to um, different people. And um, this time it is the lovely Laura's turn. So Laura, give me a little bit of an introduction. Tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so as Emily said, I'm Laura. Um, I am 24 years old and I currently live in the southeast of England. Um, I think 
I sort of volunteered myself to talk to Emily on her podcast, um, probably through resonating with Emily quite a lot initially when I first started following her, um, just having similar mental health experiences. We've both recovered from an eating disorder um, and just moving forward in our lives. So I, I was quite excited when Emily posted up about needing some more normal people, shall we say, um, on her podcast. Um, I've got quite a lot of experience within um, eating disorder recovery um, and I work with Beat as one of their young ambassadors. So um, sort of spreading my version of recovery and helping others um, in their recovery and also people supporting people. Um, and yeah, I, I work um, full time in a care home. So that's been quite hectic at the moment in the current climate, but um, quite a helping person I think in general so um when I had the opportunity to come and talk about all of that I thought it was really exciting yeah definitely um when you reached out I was like yes this is exactly why I wanted to open it up so we could have people like you come on and kind of share your experience and talk about your own your own life um and I think I want to add on to that as well that you have the most magnificent tattoo on your back I've ever seen in my entire Thank life. Thank you. That, that's mm. actually one of one of my big parts of my recovery as well. Um, I can get into that more later, but basically I, I sat for three whole days at a tattoo convention having my back tattooed. So some, some a lot of pain went into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm proud to wear it now though. It's like a bit of armor. <laughs> I mean it is it is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. <laughs> So I guess, tell me a little bit about what you want to like share with the tribe today. Is it um, like your story? Is this the place to share your story? Is it, you know, what you're doing? Give me a little bit. And it can be both. It can be both. I think probably a mix of things. So um, I think when you have an eating disorder, you kind of, you don't necessarily box yourself into that. But even through recovery, I was always very focused on talking about my eating disorder recovery and there's so many other aspects to that side of me that aren't necessarily from the anorexia um and a lot of what I've learned through therapy is like the multifaceted sides of it all um so it'd be, it, I'd quite like to talk about that in general um and also just like not I don't like the word spiritual growth because it sounds so um I don't know what the word is but it sounds very um not egotistical but it's quite trendy at the moment I think spiritual growth but de definitely towards that sort of area um just like growing yourself as a person and what I've learned post-recovery because there comes a point when you you kind of you reach a point in your eating disorder recovery and it's not necessarily all that you think about anymore and there's so many other things that open up for you and they can actually challenge you a lot more than you originally thought you were because being recovered you think you're back to a normal life but there's still so many challenges around your mindset that aren't necessarily food focused but um they can be quite limiting so I think sort of challenging yourself um just experiencing things again in, in a, a normal way maybe um and like having the courage to actually do that so those are the sort of things that I'd probably be quite interested to talk about today Awesome. Well, let's get into it then. So um, your 
give us like a, a little bit about your experience with an eating disorder you mentioned that you had anorexia um how was it how long how long did you have anorexia when was your period in um when you went to go to get treatment um what was what was kind of that story uh so I think my journey of being unwell was probably relatively short I got treatment quite quickly when I was ill so I would say I probably started to develop my disorder from the ages of around 12 and 13. Um, I'm quite a perfectionist and always have been as a child and I was quite a highly intelligent child as well so I think that all sort of accumulated to a disorder at some point um, but it was really quite heightened probably at the age of about 15. Um, I was really not coping at all with anything um, I'd sort of isolated myself from all my friends at school I was religiously going to the gym every day for like two or three hours my family had noticed I'd become a vegetarian to like sort of restrict my food intake and they weren't vegetarian so there was quite a lot of changes that sort of showed up quite quickly I think so my mum found my diary which is so teenagery of me but she found my diary and in it had some like well it had basically all my disorder splurged onto these pages sort of I'd write down what I'd eaten, what I hadn't eaten, things like that. Um, and she found that and she sort of marched me to the doctor's office and was like, we need help. Um, so I quite quickly got referred to my local CAMS team and I was treated as an outpatient there for, I think, three months. But basically, I didn't really get much treatment. They kind of gave me a meal plan, saw me each week to weigh me. And then when I was weight restored, that was it. They discharged me. So I didn't really get any sort of treatment for my eating disorder so I was discharged just before my 16th birthday um, and then sort of after that because I didn't have any coping mechanisms to deal with everything that had happened I'd gone from a uh, clinically underweight body to uh, a healthy weight which was quite traumatic for someone with an eating disorder anyway to be handed this body that you really don't want um, so I'd, I spent sort of the next few years in quite a lot of turmoil, like not really knowing how to cope with things because my coping mechanism had been taken away from me, but I hadn't been shown any other way to deal with things. So um, I struggled quite a lot with self-harm. Um, and I, I think most people that age are drinking anyway, but I think I was quite um, like harmfully drinking. So I as an 18 year I'd literally just turned 18 so I was out every weekend anyway but I'd be drinking in the week quite a lot there were a few days where I'd have a glass of wine before going into sick form just because I couldn't actually cope with the idea of being like out and about um my anxiety was terrible um and then quite a bad event happened um in the December just before Christmas so I think this was about seven six or seven years ago now um, I, I'd come to sort of like this big build up of everything that had happened and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I ended up taking an overdose. Um, it wasn't enough to do like detrimental damage to me, but it was enough to stop quite a few things for a long time. So I ended up in hospital just for like a few hours while they like helped me. Um, and then they sent me home. But the next day, um, this is so traumatic for me <laughs> like um, my mother's boyfriend killed himself um, so obviously 
all the support that I probably would have had wasn't there all of a sudden because obviously I can't take away from what what had happened to her boyfriend that was that was so horrible and obviously as a family we all felt that and Steve my mother like so upset like she dealt with the fact that her daughter had like overdosed the day before and then she'd lost her boyfriend the day after um so I kind of stepped up into mum role at that point because I've got two younger sisters um so yeah that was quite hard for me I think I just got on with it and it wasn't even a thing in my brain by that point I was like right I need to get on with this I need to help look after everybody um put everyone else first before you yeah and I I think at that point in time there wasn't really another option for me to not do that um I, I can't really blame anybody for for me having to do that because my dad lived abroad at the time um and obviously the situation was just terrible. So like there wasn't really any way to avoid me having to step up in that way. Um, but it definitely meant that everything that I had been going through was just blocked for a long time. Like it wasn't like I'd got over it or anything, but I just put this like, I put a blanket over it and was like, right, we'll deal with that later. Mm. Um, and I think that it just built up again and again and again. So that, following September I went to university and um, I just wasn't coping I obviously lived in halls and um, like my flat that I lived in we all had our own bathroom um, and it was a shared kitchen and there were weeks like some weeks I wouldn't go out of my room because I had the bathroom there I could go and get water if I needed to and I had some food in my room and I'd literally be like barricaded in my room for like a week at a time just where I wasn't coping so I ended up leaving university after about uh, three or four months and came home Um, and that was probably like the best thing I've done instead of continuing on because I just it wasn't for me and I don't think I needed to go at that point in time like I went to Leeds so that was probably a three or four hour journey from where I live now Um, Mm. so I think it was it it was foolish of me to have done that Um, but I think I just needed to get away as well at the same time to allow sounds, myself to process what happened. Yeah, it sounds like you had this huge like period of just kind of chaos. And yeah. you basically were just trying to walk through the motions of it. You know, you mm. kind of walked through the motions of your treatment um, you'd done what you were supposed to do in treatment, but you, you know, there wasn't really, it, it sounded like it, it didn't really help down deep on the inside. No. And then the rest of your life was kind of reflecting that where it was just like, right, I'm just going to go through the, the motions. I'm going to keep working to, you know, get to university or, or whatever, you know, the goal was. And then you get there and you're like, wait, this isn't right. And like, I can completely, I can completely get that because yeah. I, I was the same when I went to drama school. Um, and I think part part of you is just like, well, everyone else is doing this, so I've got to do it. So I'm just going to just keep stepping through. But, you know, my heart really goes out to you when you when you talk about the fact that you had this overdose and then the next day, obviously, you lose your mum's boyfriend. Like, I can't even imagine how... Did you just shut down, like men, like emotionally, do you think? Um, I think so the the, let alone him killing himself being traumatic the way that it happened um, my mum wasn't with him when it happened she was going over to see him 
that day and um, she actually called the ambulance for him and because she'd called the ambulance she was a suspect so my mum was actually taken into custody that night so she was in a prison cell and we weren't allowed to stay at my house because the police had to come and search it Oh my God. So uh, we all had to go and stay in a hotel. My mum came to the hotel at like four or five in the morning when she was released from custody. Um, so that, and then obviously, I think my sisters and my, my dad had flown over from Germany where he was living and he was staying at this hotel. So um, I think my dad drove my, my family all back home in the morning um like my mum and my sisters and I just waited at the hotel my friend was going to come and get me because I needed some time on my own so I think I had like maybe an hour on my own there so that was really it was nice for me just to be on my own at that point in time mm. but once I'd had that time that was it I just sort of went okay right we're good. we've got to deal with whatever else is happening now mm. and I think oh, as you can understand like my mum did not cope with it at all so I think seeing her need that much help it just sort of my brain just went into like um cruise control and was like right we're gonna go for this now yeah sounds yeah. like you were there for everybody else but you didn't have somebody there for you and yeah. that's not a shade on anybody that's just no. you know the the situation um yeah that happened because I mean it's a it's a horrible turn of events yeah so I, th- I think going to university from that uh, I think it gave me the time to actually turn my brain off and let my body process what had happened I suppose because living at home my mum was there and my fam- my sisters were there so I couldn't really break down that much I suppose um, so I think having a breakdown at university I think anyone else who was in that situation probably rather be at home to have that breakdown but for me I think it really helped me because I didn't have to put on that front for anybody else I was on my own um my boyfriend at the time was living near where my university was at his university too so he would sort of check on me as such um so I had someone there um but by the time I'd come home I was sort of out of like the darkness of it all and was able to sort of like pick myself back up a little bit um but I think throughout all of that time from like my initial recovery I did relapse quite a lot with my anorexia but um probably not in very noticeable ways just a sense of control I suppose which as you you can probably understand having had one yourself it's it just gives you that bit of security every now and then when you probably need it even though it's probably not the best form of security Mm. Yeah, it's kind of a way to control the chaos, isn't it? So, you know, it's, and a lot of people, a lot of the time people will look at an eating disorder and think, oh, it's all about the food or it's all about the way the person looks, but actually it's more about control, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And kind of being able to like control your, your, some part of your life, which, you know, from what you said, there was very little control over your life. You know, it just sounded like you just being swept along with this wave and, then you ended up at university on your own and it was like you know you finally had that space to be able to like you say like break down and and that's horrible to to uh, you know to experience but it sounded like it was actually what you really needed to to do and needed you needed to be there to be able to Mm. do that definitely and I think 
like I'm quite a lone wolf a lot of the time like I would rather do things on my own um I not in not in like an avoidant way but I just really prefer being on my own a lot of the time I don't have um I have a lot of patience and kindness for people but I also don't have a lot of energy to give people when I'm on my own so I think because of my job working in a care home I'm with people a lot um it can be quite draining so when I get to do things on my own I really do enjoy it um and like that's quite a lot of peace for me um mm. so although probably breaking down probably isn't the best thing to do on your own I don't I I think I definitely did struggle with it but I think I coped with it better maybe than some other people might have because I was kind of used not used to it but I'm, I think I'm quite well equipped to be on my own mm-hmm so what happened then from, you know, between uni and, and coming into kind of where you are today? Did you go back to treatment or? Um, so after university, I think I came home, I would have been 19. So um, I went back to where I was working before I left for university um, and I stayed there for a little while, just kind of to have a bit of like normality and routine in my life um and the people that I work with there they'd seen me when I'd been really ill before so they were really supportive of me um they were like a second family so that was really nice for me to be able to have that security at home as well um and I did go to the doctors a few times but they make you do this self-referral and you do a questionnaire over the phone and then they put you in like a, a stress management course for six weeks with a group of people. And I really didn't want to go and do that. So I never really went much further than that. Um, and then sort of the year that I turned 21 was quite a bad year for me. I'd started using drugs quite frequently, maybe once or twice a month. So not loads, but enough that it was taking quite a toll on my body. Um I wouldn't say that I have like bipolar disorder or anything, but I was definitely very manic for a lot of the year. Like I was just on one all the time and I could not rest. Um, I felt, you know, when you just feel crazy, like I could not calm my brain down at all. Um, And I was just like running on empty all the time. I'd moved out to a flat um, and I, I loved living there and everything, but I just like doing things like a food shop I wouldn't go and do that I was just religiously like cleaning the flat it was always immaculate I just I don't really know it was just so many different things I just wasn't coping at all um but I'd met my partner that year um and things got sort of more serious I'd say probably towards like well the beginning of the year when I moved out and as the year went on and I think he realized that I really wasn't coping very well like with anything in general and obviously when you have a partner you you want a healthy partner like obviously he'll be there to support me when I'm not well but nobody wants to spend their time with someone who's not coping well with life like you want to have someone that you can enjoy life with and I think I think he kind of saw the potential in me a little bit and was like well you need to get help like you're someone I want to spend my time with but like I can't spend my time with you while you're destroying yourself if that kind of makes sense it's not in a horrible way to him at all but I think he genuinely just didn't want to see me in that much pain so he actually offered to pay for my therapy for me um so I started seeing a therapist that year uh and that was 
two years ago now so I've been in therapy for two years and it's literally like the best thing I've ever done for myself but I think I just I'd burnt myself out so much that there wasn't actually another way for me to carry on apart from accepting the help that he was giving me Mm. um and for me that was really huge because I'd never actually really been given help by someone else I think obviously my mum had helped me when I was younger but for someone to like physically offer like I will take you to therapy I will pay for your therapy like you just have to turn up and go um like to accept that from someone as well kind of I think that just showed me that I really needed it as well. Like I was willing to accept that help. Like I, I just couldn't go on the way I was living. Hmm. Do you um, think that like before he offered that, that was kind of like your rock bottom? Did, was there like a rock bottom moment where you knew that you needed to change or was it more like a quiet acceptance? I think it was a quiet acceptance. We'd had a few conversations about it before where like, because he'd had some hypnotherapy for um for like anger management I think and it it helped him quite a lot um so just hearing that someone else had gone through it and it helped them as well I think um I wouldn't say it was trendy but like quite a lot of my friends at school I did have a lot of mental health issues um that like my close friends um but none of us really got that much help. And I think that was just a reflection of the help that wasn't there. It wasn't our fault. But I didn't actually see anyone like getting through their problems. So to see someone had gone through it and got like out the other side of it was and, and then to offer it to me and it be that same person. Um, I think that made me kind of realise that it, it would work or it could work maybe um and that it was worth a try and it it wasn't like he pressured me like you must go to therapy every week for a year um it was just like just see how it goes just try it for a little while if you don't like it you don't have to do it but like at least give it a go and I think just going in with that mindset of being open towards it but maybe not feeling like pressured into it, it was really good for me because when I first had my eating disorder treatment obviously being under the age of 18 I kind of had to go to treatment um and it wasn't my mum did help me a lot and she was a really good emotional support but we just didn't have the tools then to actually um like see me through it properly Mm. um and I think being able to be older and see that the treatment I had before was maybe not the right treatment or I was um, not provided for, I like accepting that and realising that I, I can get help. Um, I'm not just someone that they've signed off, like I am actually able to get help was really good. Mm. Um, so I think it was kind of like a gradual realisation of the fact that I, I need to do something about it. And I think also my partner is 13 years older than me and he's achieved quite a lot in his life and seeing him get to that point in his life I didn't want to see myself be his age and not have anything behind me yeah Mm. that makes sense so you know you you go to your therapist um Mm -hmm. and I'm guessing that's when the, the real changes start to start to come what what age are you at this point I'm 20 oh what when I started therapy I was 22 22 yeah so I think I had 
the benefit of being older as well and being maybe a little bit more um not, not experienced with mental health but I, I think I kind of knew my experiences and kind of where I needed help I think if I'd have gone when I was 18 or 19 I probably wouldn't have known what to do while I was there because I think obviously your therapist is there to guide you but it's quite self-led therapy as well so you have to have some sort of idea of what you want to be doing yeah. um yeah so I think from that point to this point the first sort of year of therapy was really dark for me but I think that was just unearthing a lot of all the things that I hadn't sort of taken out of their box for such a long time um mm. and I do think like that's one thing people don't realize is therapy can be really hard sometimes as well it's not you go to your therapist and they fix you it's continual work um so I think sort of in this last year of therapy I've seen such like a big difference in myself like um I've got a different therapist now and I've been seeing her for a couple of months so just moving on from my old therapist to a new one as well like before that probably would have freaked me out like oh, I know this person why would I go to a different person but um I, I feel a lot more um sort of in the flow of things now whereas before I was really like swimming against everything whereas now I can just go with it and it's not a problem whereas before like the tiniest of things would probably just trigger me and it would just be ridiculous whereas now if I see a trigger I could be like well why is that triggering me and I can just go about my day after I haven't got to let it affect my whole being yeah you can kind of take yourself out of your emotional mind and look at it Mm. in a logical point of view and that's one of the most powerful things you can do when it comes to things like therapy it's being able to detach yourself from that emotional mind because the emotional mind is really useful for us it has been in the past because it's the thing that made us run when we saw like a big bear yeah Um, but in you know it also makes us quite stupid um so when we're trying to come for like like trying to help ourselves in uh like in our in like an emotional way we end up kind of almost doing like the opposite so that rational mind and that logical brain is is really important for us to be able to step into in therapy yeah Um, so what has been the best bit of advice you've received or you know whether it be a treatment or somebody saying something or like what is there something that you can pinpoint that really resonates with you that you want to share uh, it's not necessarily something else, but probably a realization that I came to, and I really hold it like in me quite, like quite frequently. Um, it's quite specific, but I always used to say to myself, "I'm not anorexic. I have anorexia," and just taking myself out of the disorder. I, I'm not that thing. I, it's part of me, but it wasn't me. Um, and I can say that about so many different things now. Like I feel anxious, but I. I I feel anxiety but I'm not anxious or different things like that just like you say with the emotional mind being able to detach yourself from whatever it is is the issue and knowing that you're still you regardless of what that problem is um so I think I probably first started saying that probably about four years ago um and it's something when I do my talks for the charity, I always sort of end on that note. Um, but I think it's a massive thing for people to be able to realise, like, you are you. You're not all the other things around you that people are 
uh, putting labels on you or you're putting a label on yourself um like it just really helped me realize that I don't actually have to be that person I don't have to be the anorexic person I can be Laura I love that I, I love that I think that's brilliant and I think it's probably a really powerful way of like you said coming out of that like take, stepping into that emotional mind as well uh, sorry that logical mind mm. because you're I, I think we're so in life everybody's so quick to define each other you know so you look at somebody and you put them into a box and actually we aren't really made to be fit, fit to fit into boxes really um so that's I love that that's brilliant yeah I think it gives you a lot of trust in yourself as well like to be able to say like I'm still me despite all the other stuff going on it instills a lot of trust like within you as a person so I don't know how else to describe that but yeah yeah sorry for interrupting (laughs) no interrupt away go for it um so I guess tell us a little bit about where where you are now um obviously you've done this um you're working with Beat as a young ambassador. Um, so you might want to talk about that. You might want to talk about your tattoo. You can do both. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously with Beat, um, I actually started working with them four years ago, but it's only probably been the last two years that I've felt really solid in myself to be able to step up and help other people with that. Um I I think that's such a big accountability thing for me in my recovery like I know I can't give other people advice about eating disorders if I'm not recovered myself because it's just it's a bit hypocritical of me so that really like holds me accountable but I think being able to see like physical change like in the way that people have their treatment sorry my dog's just barked. <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant your dog has go. just opened the door she does it all the time that is amazing she's like dexter but she's black is she a labradoodle no she's a black russian terrier oh my gosh she i'm just gonna shut the door that is brilliant oh my gosh she's beautiful i love her oh yeah no she's she's mastered that skill of opening doors well she's the perfect height to be fair how old is she uh, sorry what's her name sorry Jess Jess amazing. yeah she's so funny Jess just wanted to be included <laughs> she just wanted to take part I get it Jess I get it yeah she's she's quite happy now she's up on the bed <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I can't remember where I was now um so you're talking about um, Beat and how you've been working there for four years. Um, but the last two, you've really felt like you were able to help more because um, you feel like you've been in a better place. Oh, yeah. And- um, they We do a lot of like talking opportunities. So there will be training days for like healthcare professionals. Um, and I'll sort of go along for like half an hour and I'll sort of give my experience of my recovery and what I found useful or not useful um so kind of equipping people with how to treat eating disorders on a more personal level um but like the most rewarding one I done was last Christmas it's called developing dolphins um and it's for carers and parents of people with eating disorders um and it kind of gives them the skills to be able to 
to help their loved one and be more understanding towards them um and it was such a tough day and I went for the whole day which was really interesting so the trainer I think it was a 10 till four o'clock training session um and they talk through like different types of disorders how they manifest um but this one was really specific to Christmas time so it was kind of getting a plan in place for people to be able to to cope with Christmas and still enjoy Christmas as a family despite the fact that their loved one probably has an eating disorder um and hearing all the parent stories and seeing like how grateful they were for me to, to share my experience with them so that they could understand their their daughter or their son more that was like probably the best feeling I've ever had like to be able to help those people like on a personal level I think because a lot of the time I do like general talks to like healthcare professionals or like I've spoken to my MP member before and stuff you don't always see like the ground level changes that happen and you kind of you don't forget about it but it's maybe not the most important thing when you're talking about your experience but when you can speak to people who are directly affected by it and see that that information you're giving them like they're, they're really going to use it and take it on board like I just think that's the most rewarding thing like anyone can ever do so that's filled me with so much purpose like to be able to do stuff like that um yeah so I I love doing it and I don't think I'll ever stop being an ambassador for Beat. so I, I just think they're an amazing charity like if you've got any concerns there's so much information on their website like there's so many blog posts from other people that have suffered there's so many ways that you can connect um whether you you have an eating disorder you know someone it's your daughter it's your girlfriend you want to go and get help but you don't know how like there's there's so much there that be providing I'm just like really proud to actually be a part of what they're providing um so yeah then that sort of led me on last summer I did a tv interview they released a new study they done about genetics and anorexia so some people might be more predisposed to having anorexia because of a certain way their thyroid works I think um so I went on tv and did my spiel about anorexia um and my old sick form head contacted me and they have like a new therapy service in the sick form so one of our local psychotherapists he's retired um but he's just volunteering his time so I go in with him on a Tuesday and I did my mental health first aid training um so I sort of do drop-ins with the six formers if they need someone to talk to urgently and then he does the actual therapy sessions with them so that's been really eye-opening for me as well and it's kind of led me well it was leading me um on to wanting to either become like a coach or a therapist I'm not really sure what way I wanted to go with it um but the other day I had a bit of a light bulb moment and was like, oh, I'm going to be a paramedic now. <laughs> so um, I'm still debating what I want to do with all of that. But it's just like as you as you do yourself, like it's such a rewarding thing to be able to be that person, not providing it, but sort of um, holding space for someone else. Um, so, yeah, that is definitely like a big part of me as a person I could definitely pride myself on all of that um yeah and it's something that I want to definitely develop more in the future so mm. that sort of got me to where I am now as well
Yeah. And you should pride yourself in it because it's incredible. You know, the stuff that you do is really amazing. And like you said, beat are in a fantastic organization um, and really, really like just the resources they have are amazing. So, you know, to, to be able to work with them at any level is brilliant. So yeah, you should, you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess to finish off then, um, we, you know, you mentioned about the, the best bit of advice that you, the best kind of way that you work. Have you got any last little nuggets or of wisdom or anything that you want to tell somebody who may be listening, who perhaps really connects with your story in one way or another? Um, probably what my advice to myself was as well. Um, but also like, like you're worth that amount of help like whatever help you need you're definitely worth it even if you don't think it even if the GPs turned you away 10 times like you you just keep fighting to get whatever help you need like it is out there and it's quite exhausting trying to find it sometimes but it will come along and you will you'll get to that point in life where you think okay like I can do this like just to trust yourself um and trust the process like five years ago I would not have seen myself where I am now and it's really hard like to think it's okay everything will be okay in the future but like really things do get better so just trust like just have trust in everything like everything will work out um I read a book recently and it said everything is perfect so while I think they use the analogy of like an acorn and a tree. So the acorn is perfect, but it's not a complete tree. So everything is perfect as it is and everything will always be perfect as it is. Even if it's really messy and chaotic or whatever, it's not complete yet, but it's your perfect path that you will be on. I love that. That's really good. Really good. So thank you so much for uh, just being you, firstly. Um, but also thank you for your time today it's been so wonderful to talk to you thank you Emily and thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity to share my story you're more than welcome it's my pleasure